Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Tales from the Crew. We are back, and this time we're with the amazing Chris Clements, who's been a friend and collaborator of mine for quite some time now, and very excited to have him on the show. Uh, most of you know him from his YouTube channel, uh, Fix It in Post, where he just came out with Scene 38, the Star Wars visual effects video, and has a a few things coming uh, down the pipeline um, sooner than later. <laughs> I hope and, so. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, Chris, we're so happy to have you on the show, um, and yeah, I'm glad we were able to make this work. Definitely. No, I mean, I, I listen to uh, some of your other podcasts, and uh, I listen to your one with uh, Michael Gallagher. I'm like, I got to get on here, because um, we've all been collaborating for a little bit, and I've known Michael for a long time as well. So oh, yeah. It was fun hearing some of the stories um, from his side of things. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, we've been in the fire together on a few films now. Yeah. Uh, what has it been? Three? Three or four? I mean, I know we've done a couple, a lot of different little projects, too. The I, I kind of lost count, yeah. I mean, I know the bigger ones with the thinning and the thinning, too. Funny but story. I feel like we've done a funny story. That's right. Um, we could... I think, uh, and then a ton of different shorts. Like I remember you worked on Gregory. And, that was a lot uh, of fun. I really enjoyed that. was that fun. One. Yeah. yeah. That was a cool monster. That was a, yeah, that was fun to just try and, you know, figure out how to accentuate the already really amazing prosthetic work that they had done with, with Gregory. Um, I think we, we first started working together on Party Girl back in, <laughs> what was that? 2015, 14, 15, 16? That's right. Know. Yeah. 2015 Sometime. yeah yeah 15 yeah so yeah time flies time yeah goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then that just so, kind of took off yeah so you know tell me about what's what's going on with you with you now i'd love to kind of check out and hear more about some of the projects you've uh recently been working on yeah um okay so Recently, I mean, the big one obviously was Scene 38, which is the Star Wars short film where we did a reimagining of Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan Kenobi. And when I say recent, it's kind of loose because we released it in May, but it actually was like a two and a half year project. Um, we shot mm -hmm. it in March 2017 and it, it we shot almost all of it in a day. Um, we did one day. Oh, wow. Holy shit. Yeah, dude. It, yeah, it was. It, That's crazy. It, one it day. A, it was a day of days. Let me tell you that. Um, <laughs> it was a long day. Uh, I think. Yeah. And um, we ended up. So then we ended up releasing a teaser for that uh, in December of that year, which is. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, you and I, but that's the reason why I wasn't able to come out for to supervise VFX supervise the thinning, too was because I was just about to release that teaser and I was already priorly committed to all of that and been kind of grinding on that for a while. And then I think the thinning too just came out so like came up so quickly that project. And I remember we were doing a lot of phone meetings and stuff and I'm like, was really crossing my fingers that the dates would like line up. And they unfortunately didn't, they'd overlapped when we were trying to get that teaser up. So, um, but yeah, we put up a teaser in December and then uh, we decided we wanted to add a couple little fight beats in there to make Obi-Wan Kenobi feel like he had, at least had a little bit of fight left in him. So we did. Yeah. We did another like half day of reshoots, but the like I would say 90% of it was was all done in one day. And then and then it was just like two and a half years of post-production. So that was a big one. Um, uh, let's see what else. Uh, I'm working on a couple of different 
I actually was just in uh, LA for the past couple of weeks doing some previs VFX work for a Bollywood movie, and that was a lot of fun. Um, oh, cool! I've yeah, I never never knew I wanted to work on a Bollywood like I never knew that was like a, a bucket list thing for myself. But oh man, it was so much fun because you can do some really some really fun sort of ridiculous things. Um, there's this one part in in uh, this fight scene where. Uh, the the two heroes have telekinesis and one of them has super strength and the hero goes and punches the the villain and uh, the villain blocks it with a shield and I'm like okay one shield is cool but how about ten shields like let's just like really amp this up and so I just have this like it's it looks ridiculous but it's hilarious it's just shield after shield keeps coming in and blocking the superhero's punch and I don't know I feel like the rules in Bollywood are a little different than then oh, that's, so, does. that's yeah. so cool yeah so that was fun um let's see oh so you're not you're not like grounded by any sort of rule you can kind of oh, just I don't, I don't think there are rules the, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't that's know if fucking you, awesome yeah if you look up uh just kind of like bollywood action scenes the vfx and the the fight scenes are they're i don't want to call them ridiculous because i don't they're just so much fun. I feel like they don't have rules. Like they purposefully are like physics don't really, you know, matter. And, um, I don't know. It's just, it's fun. It, it, it it's like it, to me, it's a little bit more pretend make believe than, than even Hollywood is. They just really go it's, for it. And kind of, it's got, it's got, yeah, it's gotta be kind of liberating. Cause I feel like with visual facts, uh, you know, um, especially with American movies, a lot of it, it's like based around logistics or, well, you know, or, you know, trying to make it seem realistic or, you know, and, that sounds yeah. like kind of cool where everything's everything in that nature is sort of out the window. Yeah, no, definitely. That's and that's my tape, favorite type of VFX is when you you don't there's not maybe a real comparison. There's not something in the real world like fire is real the reason one of the, one of the reasons why fire is so difficult is cuz it's so kind of random but like you know, you know what fire looks like. You've seen it in this world, but you don't know what like a Harry Potter spell looks like. You can kind of make make that up as you go, and the audience isn't like, oh, I have this real world reference that I can go back to and and compare it to. Um, yeah. So I, I I always enjoy the stuff that's a little bit. Uh, you have a little bit more freedom when there's not a real world comparison because you're you get stuck. You don't you you want you don't want to take the audience out of whatever they're watching by having something behave in a way that it wouldn't normally, unless that's like the, the objective. And then that's like a whole other ballpark. But for the most part, you know, right. if you're doing a, a screen replacement, people know what a TV looks like. They, you know, they know what it's supposed to look like when the monitor fires up and there's something on screen. You can't get too creative with that. Um, and stuff like that, but superhero stuff, superpowers, that's always a lot of fun. Um, and that's something you've really kind of uh, excelled or, you know, put a lot of passion into, I feel like. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's definitely been kind of, I think that's, if I had to like brand myself or I, I had a category, it would be kind of the action VFX. Uh, I really, I work a lot with stunt, like stunt coordinators. Um, and I've been doing that uh, for about six or seven years. Kind of my, most of my professional VFX career, I've been also, so I, I do, I do a little bit of both. I do previs VFX and then post VFX. And you and I have always worked on the post side of things, but, um, on some bigger shows, I, I'll do the previs VFX, which is essentially like, we'll do, we'll shoot a, uh, it's like a moving storyboard of, of what the action is going to be on the day that they shoot it in production. And a lot of times there's so many 
elements that are missing because they're going to be added in post. And so they'll bring me in and I'll kind of like add in like, okay, he's actually throwing a knife here instead of just this random little like block. And he's falling into a, you know, a bell tower. It's not just a, a bunch of black pads and, you know, and it's, it kind of gives the, the coordinator an idea of the choreography of how it's going to play exact, out. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and in a way more importantly, it's something that they can take to a director, a producing team who maybe doesn't have the experience to like visualize what they're seeing when they see this video without anything on it, where it's just like, okay, they're crashing into pads. What is that supposed to be? Or he's throwing this object. Is that going to be a big rock or what? You know, like, so we can yeah. really kind of flesh out the vision of the stunt coordinator and the action director to take it to the rest of the team and show the production designer, like, Hey, this needs to be, a uh you know a, a chair on the day but obviously you don't want your stunt guy falling into a chair because that's painful so you might just put a pad there and there's just a lot of like logistics that adding in these vfx storytelling points helps and so i've been really fortunate to work with um some really talented stunt coordinators over the years and kind of i don't know it's, it's actually made me a better post vfx artist by doing all that previous stuff because their deadlines are ridiculous. They'll send me stuff and they're like, we need this tomorrow. And it'll be like a three minute fight scene that I have to do oh my God. <laughs> all this stuff. But I, it, it's, I, I, I think I'm one of the faster, like post VFX guys because I've learned how to work on those kind of deadlines. So if I need to crank, I can really kind of turn it up and, um, and yeah, I don't know. It's been a interesting experience, but to your point, yeah, most of the stuff that I do in the previs world is superhero stuff like Deadpool and Daredevil and Punisher. And um, I'm working on a new show for Netflix right now called Jupiter's Legacy. And that's like kind of Game of Thrones meets Justice League superheroes. Oh, wow. Like that. So, yeah, that's been a lot of fun um, kind of doing all the different things for that. Uh, and so you you kind of came up through stunt coordinators. I, I believe I met you through Ryan Sturrs, uh, who's a stunt coordinator we work with. Um, so that's, is that how you got into the visual effects business or are um, you sort of, you know, well, to your point about that, what's really funny is I've never met Ryan. Um, <laughs> I, Ryan, that's insane. I, yeah. Ryan is good buddies with another stunt coordinator who's a buddy of mine and his name is Damien Bray. And I think Damien's actually worked with oh, you I guys Dam before too. Yeah. Damien was on the second thinning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was so bummed that I couldn't make it out because I, I, it seemed like all the, all the buds were there for, uh, yeah, project. we, I think for the most part, we just kind of wanted to see you to say hello, <laughs> but I know, it, ended man, up, I know. it ended up working out with, you know, without you being there, but it's always yeah. fun to see you and hang. Yeah. Next one. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, so, so Dan, that's actually Dan, I think that was for party girl was Ryan was working with you guys or with you and recommended yeah. me. And I, and I remember you're like, yeah, I found you through Ryan Sturz. I'm like, oh, I don't even know him, but that's so awesome that someone <laughs> out there is recommending me. Um, and I, I actually messaged him, I think on Instagram or Facebook or something like years ago. I was like, hey man, I owe you a beer. And I still owe him a beer because I haven't actually got him that. But for, uh, you know, opening up that line of work. But um, yeah, yeah I, I actually started, so I started VFX back in, I want to say like 2009. Um, I, I did a Star Wars fan film and before then I'd always done like comedy. I wanted to, I wanted to kind of direct comedy films. I really enjoyed comedy, but I realized how difficult it is to wrangle a bunch of people together to 
create these short films, which I'm sure you know better than even I do. Oh, yeah. Um, especially when you have no money and you're 18 or 19 and you're trying to convince people to come out and people aren't showing up and all this stuff. And I just started really thinking about what can I do to like make interesting content without other people? Um, and visual effects started to really interest me because it's like, hey, I can make clones of myself or I could I could create, you know, a superpower, do a little short film based around one superpower effect and I can just set up a camera on a tripod myself and it actually is kind of interesting. And so um, I ended up doing a Star Wars fan film for like, I don't even know if they're still around, but Lucasfilm, Lucas fan film competitions were big back then. They do a yearly one. And so I did, I did a fan film for that and it took me about nine months and it was like the ultimate grind of learning different VFX like lightsabers and force pushes and force jumps and spaceships and all kinds of stuff and I think that's like every VFX artist rite of passage is doing a Star Wars fan film um but I did that and it was brutal but I'm like oh I could kind of do this and uh, I started up a YouTube channel after that and I started just testing out different VFX like human torch and teleporting nightcrawler teleporting and a shrink ray video and um, and all of those videos were starting to not, I wouldn't say take off in a viral sense, but I was getting like tens of thousands of views on them. Cause you type in superpowers on YouTube and it would come up with my stuff and I was getting a lot of feedback and I, I started actually getting hit up for work from that. And I worked on a couple of like small independent movies and commercials and stuff. And none of it was really enough to pay the bills at the time, but it was growing and growing over a couple of year period, um, that YouTube channel. And then, wow. Yeah, yeah, and and I kind of have since abandoned it because it's hard to it's hard to maintain a YouTube channel and work. Uh, right. In, yeah. in the industry, it's so it's it, you can't have like seven deadlines at once. <laughs> oh my gosh! But and yeah. yet somehow I still end up with that. It feels like at times, but um, <laughs> it's only natural. Least, yeah, but at least the deadlines usually pay now with with work. YouTube was totally. never a money maker, but Hey, it was a great investment. I, I would have never gotten anything. I would have never made it into the industry without YouTube, which, uh, yeah, it seems like a, it seems like a, a kind of a, a good strategy to have to just kind of make what you're passionate about and kind of go in that direction and, and build on that. Yeah. And, and you know what I was also doing? I, I had the main channel, which was just the short films of, and, and they, they calling them short films is maybe too generous. They were essentially like, I'd be like, okay, what's a cool effect. And then I just, based like a one to two minute little video around like, Oh, what would happen if I got human torch powers and then I burned down my house or I like, you know, I fart and there's fire that comes out of my butt, you know, like that kind of stuff is just silly, but um, <laughs> it was just, it was just an excuse for me to try to learn like how to like apply this certain effect. And then what I would do is I would, I created another channel um, and I would do a tutorial on that effect. And mostly it was for me to help ingrain how I did the process so I could look backwards and just, okay, I did this, 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 and this to create this effect. Yeah, sort of and, deconstruct uh, it. Exactly. And, and you know, when you're teaching someone else or, you know, doing a tutorial, that forces you to learn it because you have to redo that effect, you know, five or six times to get that tutorial correct. And so it helped It helped give me, like, like almost notes to look back on if, like, work ever came up and I needed to do a certain effect. And I actually would get hit up a lot because other people were like, oh, I was trying to learn how to do this effect for my little short film or this or that. And I just thought I'd rather hire you because you're the one who's teaching how to do this. So the tutorial channel ended up getting me more work than the, even the main channel. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was kind of the idea there. And eventually I got hit up to do a, a Star Wars like fan film. So that's how it was presented to me. 
And I was just like, I don't want to do any more lightsabers. Lightsabers, lightsabers are brutal. They, it's just frame by frame. It's, they've gotten a little easier over the years, but especially back then it was frame by frame. And then you'd have six points and you're just moving each one of these points, um, in a mask, like following the lightsabers. And it was just what they aren't, they aren't fun. Um, I guess I'll say yeah. that. I guess the technology um, has improved a little bit with keyframing and whatnot a little, over the years. Yeah, a little bit. There's some plugins now that, um, there's a kind of every VFX art. Well, I shouldn't say every VFX artist, but most people who start with After Effects, they go to a website called Video Copilot and they are sort of, I, they're just the best. And, um, that's where I started was just learning and watching their tutorials, but they created a plugin for lightsabers that greatly reduces the amount of time, um, that it takes, but it's still, it's still frame by frame. It's just, you're doing two points instead of six. So over thousands of frames, it definitely adds up. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, so I got hit up, um, and I, and I, I said, no, I'm just like, uh, like, thanks, but no, thanks. Uh, and the, the guy, he asked me, he's like, Hey, well, can you at least give me some pointers? So I kind of gave him some pointers and left it at that. And then a week later he hit me up again and he said, uh, you know, I really like, like I'll pay you. I really could use some help. Um, this is a this is actually a previs for the new Star Wars uh, trilogy, Episode Seven. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa. okay, yeah, Is this yeah, real? I, yeah. I was like, Oh, yeah, I'm interested. Okay, and I, I actually am available now. Yeah, yeah. yeah funny calendar just cleared. Okay, what are we doing? And uh, and so cancel mom's birthday. Oh man, oh I can't. Yeah. So. Uh, I ended up jumping on board that project and long story short, that was for a, uh, he ended up not working on the star Wars. It just, there was like a bunch of politics as it happens with these movies. And so, um, yeah, uh, his name's Philip Silvera and I've been working with him ever since, but, um, yeah, he was, he was creating this previs sort of like, Hey, I want to come coordinate on this project. And so it was like a two week, it was a two week blitz to get this thing done and, you know, they were like, yeah, J.J. Abrams is going to see this. And I'm like, OK, like, I'm not sleeping. We're going to make sure this is the best thing anyone's ever seen. And I just what kept an thinking, opportunity. Like, yeah. And that's what that's what I thought. I'm like, like, I've been doing these YouTube videos and working for these like random guys in North Carolina and, you know, just different people hitting me up online. But this is this is Hollywood kind of this is an opportunity. And I didn't want to. This is it. Hollywood calling. Yeah, exactly. Literally. And, and so um, I just went for it and I stayed up for like two weeks. I lost. 15 pounds. I was barely eaten. It was like, I was kind of sick after it was, I, I wouldn't recommend it, but, um, I met like three or four guys that I still work with to this day on that project. And, um, and Phil, the, the one who was coordinating that I've worked with him very closely and he went on to do daredevil and Deadpool and, and we just did Terminator last year. And he's the one I'm, I'm also working with on the, the Netflix show I was describing. And he did scene 38. He was the one who directed that. So him and I have had a really close career kind of since that moment. But and you that, and you met him by him reaching out to you on through YouTube. So it actually wasn't him. It was another guy um, who who he was doing. He was trying to do the VFX like the lightsabers and the force lightning and stuff. And he just he couldn't quite do it. And he kept asking me for help. And so through him, I ended up kind of taking his place on doing the previs. And that's when I, I see, gotcha. Phil. So it was kind of like through, through another person that I got brought in, but yeah, once I got brought in, it was sort of like all bets were off and we were, we were going for it. And then, and then not too long, maybe a year later, that's when we did, uh, we did a previs for the Marvel shows, which it, 
it wasn't originally just for Daredevil. It, they were doing it for Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Luke Cage, and um, Iron Fist. And so we did a previs. It's one fight scene. And I think it's on the internet. I'm not sure. But uh, we did one fight scene for all of those guys. Can you can you kind of explain what the what the workflow is for you know a previs on a film or a you know a series sure. of that magnitude? Yeah. yeah. So a lot of times what will happen is the stunt coordinator will get he'll have like his initial meetings and read the script and do all of these things and he'll he'll make notes on sort of like what he thinks the fight beats are, but mostly he's getting story from the director. Different directors will give kind of different feedback. Some of them will give more specific fight moments but a lot of times they're just like i mean you've read the scripts like sometimes they'll just say fight scene and that's it that's all that's in the script it's kind of like okay like what are we gonna yeah. do with that um but i would say it's usually there's a little bit more insight than than that but then they'll take that they'll take um oftentimes on this level there's really good storyboarding so you'll see if it's a superhero you'll see like their powers um and it'll oh, give I you see. an idea of like what the visuals are. And that helps kind of dictate, okay, like um, this guy shoots lava out of his hands. What does that look like? And you know, what, what action can I build around that? And so, and the, and the speed of it coming out and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And okay, what is his weakness? And you, you kind of, um, especially with Phil, but most stunt coordinators, I think it's a little bit of a misconception that it's just fighting for, you know, the action's sake. And definitely there are movies out there like that, but um most most stunt coordinators really try and fit whatever their cool action is around the story. They want it to kind of propel the story forward. They don't want it just to be fighting for fighting's sake or or just cool moments. I don't know. Sometimes a cool moment is worth it, even if it doesn't do anything for the story. It's just like whoa, kind of blows you away. But, well, yeah, uh, a lot of times the the character's arc is dependent upon like these fight scenes where it's like they either come into their own or they expose their weakness or vulnerability. You know, it's. Um, they're kind of can be crucial moments in a film. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and, and oftentimes, especially in action movies, that's, that's going to be, you, you have one in the beginning to kind of set the tone and usually the superhero gets his ass kicked. Cause that's how that goes. And then you sort of have like training or little mini fights throughout the movie. And then there's the final fight. So you get to see all of the changes and how they might um, grow in their powers, or there'll be a callback at, in the, in the like climax that was, you know, maybe they did something wrong in the first fight that they fix in this, you know, at, at that last moment and the opportunity yeah. is there. So, so yeah, so they'll, they'll get kind of all of the story that they can from, from the directors and the producers. And it kind of depends. Cause if you're working on like a Netflix show, the directors, they're the only there for usually like one episode. So they have to, they talk a lot more with the showrunner and the producers about what, the overall arc is going to be for the season. Um, and so they have to keep that in mind of what's going to happen in, you know, six episodes from now. Whereas a movie, it's just sort of like the director is going to be a lot more hands-on with the fight scene. Um, but regardless, so they'll get all of that information and then they'll kind of like think about what they want. They'll start contacting stunt riggers, which are the guys that will um, do wire work. And that's really important on these superhero movies. Uh, I work a lot with, Action Factory, who they've kind of got a big name because they on in the online world because they've worked with Freddie W and Corridor Digital and all those guys back in the day. Um, but yeah, so they'll bring on the wire guys. They'll bring on like certain fight guys, and it's really interesting. There, there's certain fight guys who have martial arts styles that will be conducive to different superheroes. So there's there's just different guys in the industry that are known for doing <laughs> doing like a certain type of 
of uh, martial art. And so they get brought, brought on specifically for that. So they'll, so the stunt coordinator will kind of bring his whole team together and they'll rehearse it and then we'll go shoot a previs. And sometimes it's on location, which is always a lot of fun because you can actually visualize it. But I would say, I would say probably 70% of the time the previs is done in a warehouse and they'll just get a, a bunch of stunt pads and, and boxes. Um, they'll use like, are you, are you boxes. usually on set for that or is it, uh, uh, it, it depends. Um, if they're shooting in LA, then yeah. But if like a lot of times they go overseas, like Terminator was shot in Budapest and, um, I think, uh, where else were they? They were somewhere in Spain. Yeah. They, they were in Europe a lot for that, but I did, I was on set for when we were pre prepping in LA cause we prepped for like two or three months for that. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So it just, it just depends. Um, but I can work remotely mostly. That's just if they're shooting the previs, it, it's oftentimes beneficial for me to be there. Just like VFX supervising, it's kind of like, hey, this would be better. And it gives the stunt coordinators an idea of like what the post VFX house is going to want. Like they can start already thinking about how to shoot things properly um, to help out the VFX artists on the other end. Um, just with like the little insight we'll work on. Um, yeah in, in, in the previs and so so yeah so we'll get together and we'll talk about what the superpowers are and we'll discuss sort of like what is possible vfx wise and then yeah we'll go shoot it and it's it's really interesting because when i first started doing it the quality was it was good but it was definitely i, I went it wasn't it wasn't an iphone but it was like dslrs and stuff and it was just kind of like you know it was just no one people weren't as in, in costumes as much and now like previs is they're beautiful they're shot on reds they they've got ronins and gimbals and stuff to it's, oh wow it, yeah it looks uh it looks very very close to the final product um people will be in costumes especially if we're on set then then it's just it's really cool and a lot of what i've noticed is stunt stunt coordinators will shoot the action in the best way possible because they know how they want it to appear on camera and then they'll edit it themselves. So not only do you have like, you have the action almost in the purest form where when you bring on the rest of the crew, they might not be as familiar with fight scenes or um, stunt work. So they might not shoot it exactly how they, the stunt coordinator wants it. And that's why previs is so important because you're like, Hey, I want this angle because I want to see the punch sell like this i want to see this big moment where this guy spits blood in this direction or falls from this direction so having that so oh, that's they can show them. yeah it seems like yeah that's kind of crucial for a stunt coordinator really showcases vision to the team yeah exactly and and a, a lot of times they'll have a big monitor where they have the previs up and they're going shot by shot and they're just like here's what it is so it's it's it, you know it's like a storyboard but it's just it's especially because it's action, you kind of need to see all the beats to see how they're going to play out. And so having it as a video helps tremendously. And then you already have, and then that's where I come in and I'll add the VFX on top of that. And so you can show them the indicators of like, Hey, okay, move them like two feet over in frame because we're going to have this big energy blast that like is two inches away from his face. So we want to make sure we see that. And if they didn't have the VFX indicators, then then that two inches might not be thought about on the day because production is, you know, there's a lot of money being put into that and things are rushed. And so right. then that, that'll be an issue in, in post and it won't be kind of the vision of the action director coming through. So, so yeah, that's, that's like kind of the process is it's just, it's sort of like 
them creating their vision. And then I come in and um, they do all the practical stuff. And then I come in and I'm like, okay, you want this knife that he throws to land here or cut this leg or do this or that. And, uh, and I just try and drop it all in. And uh, that sounds so awesome. I would love to be able to have that one day. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and it makes a big difference, I think, too, because it's I mean, you know, pre-production is where a lot of everything's set up there for I, I feel like that's where you're like establishing the canvas that you're going to paint on. Absolutely. Post. Yeah. And, pre uh, is you, pre is everything. And then post it. If you, you know, it's kind of it is what it is at that point. Yeah. You only have what you can work with and you're like, OK, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess we'll do what we can here. <laughs> what um, are what are some of the challenges you faced uh, in post production? You know, with that said, that's a great question. Um, I think I think a big challenge would be communication. Um, I feel like I've had to become a much better communicator. And I'm always trying to get better at it uh, because not like you and I and Michael and. And Jana, we, we have, we've been working together for years now. So we have like a little bit of like a shorthand and I know when Michael's directing, I know kind of like the style that he likes, the visuals that he likes. So I can maybe save us a few rounds of notes because I know like, oh, he's not going to like that if I did something. So I'm like, I'll readjust before I even send it over to him. Right. Um, and so I think that's one of the benefits of having, of working together for longer periods. It's like why Spielberg works with the same people for, you know, decades and decades. It's because you can save a lot of time and money. And it's just more enjoyable to work with people that you like and that you're, you're, uh, you're used to like kind of what they can produce. So you don't have to think about it. Um, yeah, and, you come in this like, uh, like hive mind where it's, you know, we are kind of a creative team collectively. Definitely. And it's, yeah, it's like, okay, like I know this crew's vision. And so I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not the individual artist anymore. Like I would have my way of doing it if it were my movie, but like, I know this is the way we're doing it. So how can I, it's my job, just like everyone else's job on the crew to like help facilitate that vision. And I think the more you can kind of like kind of submerge into that idea and you're not trying to be flashy. You're just trying to get like when Michael Gallagher is directing, like what does he want and what, what is he aiming for? And so it, it becomes challenging when you're working with new directors because you don't know, like, do they have any experience with VFX? And a lot of times they don't. And that that's something that, like, no one's ever going to tell you, I have this level of, of knowledge about this, you know, specific subject. Because a lot of, you don't know what you don't know. And um, so that's usually an interesting process in finding out, like, should I send it, send this shot over to them when it's 20% finished, but it's like temped in and they can kind of envision what the final product is going to look like? Or do I need to finish, literally finish this shot, which might take me an extra two days to do it, but they need to see it as polished as it can be before they can actually give notes. Um, and it's obviously a lot better when I can send it over when it's 20% done because then, we right. can, you know, it's, it's like, not I, so I locked in. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't built the whole house yet. Like we're just throwing up some structure here and there, but if I need to polish it, um, that becomes really challenging and, and frustrating because it's like, oh man, I just put two days of work in and you know, that <laughs> for, for nothing. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of times <laughs> yeah. it'll be like what, what they're asking. Um, I'll have to either explain why that's going to be an extra three or four days of work because we took, we had to take it this far or sometimes I'll just like do it because I, it's not the battle I want to fight <laughs> on that yeah. shot. If I know there's like another yeah. shot. Um, and so I think that's, that's one of the, I don't have that science down even yet. Um, because I think every person is different. Every 
every producing team or director. And, and movies are so interesting because sometimes you'll have a director who's super hands-on and sometimes the director is not involved at all. You might just be working with the editor or the producer or just kind of like a, hey, we need these 20 shots done. And like, you don't really talk to anyone and you just do them real quick and, <laughs> and that's it. So um, yeah, I think, I think trying to determine what the vision is in the most tactful way um, and, and you, you just, you don't want to assume anything, but you also don't want to ask needless kind of, I don't want to say stupid questions, but, um, yeah, I, I think communication with that sort of a thing is, is challenging. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's been the overall theme of this podcast. It's just really, you know, communication and, um, really kind of figuring out the, the needs of different departments and how, um, you can serve the overall production, but then effectively communicate so that you can sort of give it um, the right approach instead of kind of guessing what somebody might want or, uh, or you know, not understanding or having clarity on the overall vision. Yeah. What, what like on your end, because you, you're, you're, you're the one who does the hiring. What, how do you go about that? Like, what is, what do you prefer in terms of, I don't know, that sort of workflow communicating with your artists? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think from, from my standpoint, it, it starts with the budget, you know, and uh, you know, if there's 50 shots as opposed to 300 shots, you know, mm -hmm. how much we have to really allocate towards visual effects. And, um, if we don't have that much to allocate towards it, how do we practically come up with solutions so that we can then, um, be able to enhance those practical effects through visual effects or if it's, you know, um, visual effects heavy, how do we allocate funds as much as possible towards visual effects without losing anything sure. practically? And, and, you still gotta uh, shoot the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, someone, uh, the, a film that I did last year, the, um, director made a really good point and said visual a lot of what visual effects is, is art department. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> I never mm, thought of it that it way. Is. Yeah. So, you know, it's like props, set dressing is, you know, it's, you know, how do you achieve that um, in, the, in the most optimal sense, whether it's, you know, practically done on set or if it's done via visual effects to create this whole new world or really enhance the world that you are um, creating. And so, you know, I, as a producer, sort of, you know, outside of the numbers, have always tried to look at myself as, as really a resource for uh, artists, you know, for a production designer, for a visual effects supervisor. And right. I, I kind of say, what do you need to, to do your best work? And then you're like, well, I need, you know, this these, you know, this amount of days and, you know, uh, this many days on set and X amount of dollars to pull this off. And then I say, well, we don't have this amount of days. Yeah, we don't yeah. have this amount of dollars. <laughs> You're like, let's <laughs> so, cut that in so, half and see what we can do. All right. <laughs> so now what do we do? Yeah, yeah. And I think that, I think that's really where we start building on something great is like, we kind of, uh, are open about our limitations the collaboration and, of it. and collaborate with like, you know, what we have to work with because, um, I think if I just, you said, you know, I need X amount of dollars, X amount of days, and I just shelled that to you, and then um, we didn't really talk about it, then I, I don't know what I'm getting. You don't know what's expected from, like, the overall sense of the the production, and it's, you know, and there's a lot of uh, gray area involved. So I think, um, yeah. you know, based on the budget, we really try to surgically um, go into the budget and really – 
figure out how to best allocate the funds to really give everyone the best resources, you know, for the practical sense of the, the film. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think what you said about uh, like the gray area, I think that's also my goal is, is, is minimizing that, like honing in on like, let's eliminate as much gray area as possible uh, in terms of expectations. And also like what just, I think over communicating on some things helps a lot. I, I mean, I've always loved working with you guys because we do have that like, okay, like it's a collaboration. What like what do we need? What do I need to be able to achieve what you need? And like, here's like, okay. And then we look at we have X amount of days because sometimes it's not even the money. It's the amount of days. Like sometimes like we had to get this in a right. week and it's like, whoa. Yeah, like, maybe maybe you like have you another show me, that starts or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't matter how much you pay me a day. Like there's only 24 hours in, in a day. Like I don't know what I can do. So like, how do we adjust? And um, Cineman has always been great kind of trying to like, okay, like we can't quite make this happen, but how do we angle off? How do we get like 95% of the vision by taking this like alternate path? Like, and it's like, it's always, it's always for the, the benefit of the story. And it's like, as long as we can still tell the story, then it's like, okay. And I think that flexibility is something that is, is crucial, but not, I don't find it very frequently in, in this business. A lot of times I'll get a director or a producer that just, it, they send me a final product and they say, we have X amount of dollars, which I would say 95% of the time is like sort of a ridiculous number for what they're asking. Cause they didn't do any pre pre-production work or they never, we didn't communicate about it. And yeah. then it's just like, you know, and you have a week and a half, which is, and then that's like a ridiculous deadline too. And it's like, okay, so no time, no money, like, and, and you're, there's no vision either. It's just like, do this. And that's when it gets, that, that's when it gets really difficult. Cause you're like, is this just a complete waste of my time? Or can I like communicate through this? Is this an opportunity for me to like make this work? And sometimes it has been, but sometimes it's like, I'll get to the end of the project or I'll be halfway through it. And I'm like, man, I should have known. I should have seen that red flag coming <laughs> and, and ran for the hills. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I but, think, I think that's, um, that just kind of like reminds me of, uh, just, you know, like our relationship is, uh, is, um, really beneficial in the fact that like the second we have a, a project that's, you know, a go project, we'll send you the screenplay and then have a talk about yeah. like, what's going to, what is that going to take? And then if you're like, Hey, I, I can't be on set for this, then, then that's like, no big deal. That's another variable. How do we work around that? Or, yeah, it's just a game plan before you, uh, execute, I guess. Yeah. And that, and talking about it ahead of time, it not only does it help kind of like make sure that we can get what we need, but it also helps me know what know what's coming like it's it's a little terrifying when you get shit sent shots because it sometimes it's as simple as moving a camera like two inches one way or the other and you could save days and days of work which it, it, like over the course of a movie where you might have 100 vfx shots or more um that's that's a tremendous savings and you know you multiply that tremendous out. yeah and, uh, so you sometimes you get shots and you're like oh no Oh no, like I wish I would have been there so I could have said this or that. Or at least sometimes if I'm VFX supervising and doing the post work myself and I make a mistake, uh, you know, I say, oh, like that shot's fine. And then it turns out to not be fine in post. I'm okay with that because it's like, hey, that's that's on me. Like they had me out there. I'll just handle this. Like I can fix this mistake. Um, there's a funny story on the first movie I, I VFX supervised. This was back in, I think, 2013 or 14. Um, I, was, uh, I was on set. And they were doing this 
really dangerous camera movement at uh are you familiar with lacy street studios oh, i filmed there before oh, yeah have, yeah i think everyone's yeah. filmed there it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's haunted <laughs> yeah, yeah i could feel it when i was there we were doing a i know a jump. this place is super uh, creepy we were doing it is we were doing a we were doing night shoots and we were doing a jump from um one roof to another we were having our actor or our stunt guy wow jump. yeah and it was like i want to say it was like you know 10 or 15 feet across and then there was like a 10 or 15 foot drop and this guy's super talented but that's a dangerous stunt and super to make, dangerous to make it a really exciting, old building yeah exactly yeah the bricks fall um <laughs> so so to make it even more exciting we had our camera guy who was also a stunt guy jump with him so you have this traveling um stunt you know the camera the camera guy's doing a stunt just as much if not more than the uh the stunt guy himself and so they both jumped to get this really cool move and it turned out great um but i'm vfx supervising and i'm i'm on uh i'm on the the building that they're jumping from and we had set up a light so that way you could see him because it was pitch black up there and uh right before we like started rolling i realized that i where i was standing was kind of casting a shadow on them I'm like, oh no, like I don't want to be in the way, but there was nowhere else on the roof for me to be. So I ran around to the other side and and I thought I was like kind of like, okay, I'm not casting a shadow. So, anyways, they jump. Everyone's like, yeah, they're all excited. It was, you know, it went safely. You're only doing this thing once. This is like a one and done type of situation. Even if it didn't work, you're not gonna do that again. And so there I'm I'm the only one left on the roof. I'm up there with the light, and there's probably 10 guys on the other roof, and they're reviewing the shot. And turns out when I ran, like I was in front of the light, I ran to the other side. I put myself directly in the shot. And so I ruined the shot oh, because I was fuck. standing in and everyone was so mad and they were cool. They were, I'm, I'm buddies with them to this day, but everyone looks up with like a little bit of murder in their hearts. And I'm just like, <laughs> uh, they're like, Chris, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, uh, and I felt so bad. And then I realized, wait, I can fix this. I know how to do this. Like, I can remove myself. This is what I do. This is what I'm here for. And so I went down there. I'm like, guys, I'll, I'll fix it. Like this one's on me. Like, I'm not even going to chart. Like I, I will fix this in post. And, and I ended up doing that and the shot was in the movie and it was perfect. But for that brief moment, I was like, Oh damn. What oh, that is like, an amazing I just, story. <laughs> I just, I just, I just ruined, ruined this really dangerous stunt. And then, um, it was one of those like, Oh wait, my skills align perfectly with the mistake I just made. I can, I can fix this mistake. And, uh, I'm sure it was know. like that night you were like, I'm going to go home and figure this out. <laughs> oh yeah. I was, I was, I was ready to do it. Like just hand over the, the card right now. I'll do it while we're on set still. I was, <laughs> it felt so bad, but I don't, yeah. you don't always get opportunities in life to fix your mistakes, uh, <laughs> that cleanly. Um, yeah. but yeah, that was, that was rewarding seeing that one in, in, in the theater and being like, I was right there. <laughs> I was in what that a shot. cool story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, man. I don't know. So, but those are the things you, I guess, you kind of learn from as you go. You know, I'm sure if you did it again, you would say, "Well, there's no room for me. How do we figure this out?" <laughs> you know. Yeah, After definitely. Fact, yeah, and 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 you know, VFX supervising is is so different than than just doing the post production VFX work or even the pre pre production because. It's a lot. You're on set, and that, and you know, being on set is a completely different animal than than me just sitting at my computer at home in my office. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you're you're probably communicating with a with yeah yeah because you're communicating with the gaffer and DP on how it's going to be shot, how it's going to be lit, how all that affects the the frame. 
Yeah. Whereas you don't have that in post. Right. And there's set etiquette and there, you know, there's just, there's a lot of factors that like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm on my computer at home working like a much bigger percentage of the time than I am on set. And so it's like a completely different headspace. And I enjoy it because it's nice to get out and actually see some people and see some sunshine and, um, yeah, it's, it's such a rush when you're filming and you get like a, a great shot and you're kind of, you feel that camaraderie where when you're at home with just your computer, you can't fist bump anyone. You're just like, Oh, that was, that, I did that. <laughs> okay. Next one. <laughs> you know, you're, you send it to the director and they're like, nice job. And you're like, okay, like, cool. You don't feel it as much when you can just uh, high five someone. Um, yeah. With that collective cool. magic, just pull something off. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's definitely, that's fun, but it's, it's almost, I mean, when you're on much, much bigger budget movies, like a lot of times the VFX supervisor, like they're, they're not going to do any VFX work on it at all. They, they make sure everything's filmed correctly and then they send it out to the post houses and, you know, make sure that the vision comes through and what was planned in pre-production and during production, but they're not like, you know, they're not hitting buttons and copy and pasting and things, uh, but I, I actually enjoy kind of seeing seeing it through because it's like, OK. Oh, that's that's interesting. I never thought about it that way because I, I've always kind of like really, you know, my visual effects experience. I've always like really hoped that the visual effects supervisor was the guy that would go back home and, or go back to the office and um, and then do the visual effects. Like they were not only directing it on set, but then you know, executing it, uh, in front of the computer. That's interesting that they have actual visual effects supervisors who will just hand, you know, yeah. handle it on set and then, and then shoot it off to the post house. Yeah. And, and I think there's a level of like accountability when you're the one who has to do the work at the other side too. Cause, cause then if in uh, post-production you're telling the director like, Oh man, we didn't shoot this right. And the director looks at you and like, well, you were on set. That's your problem. <laughs> like You should have said, <laughs> yeah. you should have spoke. Like you don't have that excuse where um, it's just not feasible though on bigger movies when you'll, you know, you'll watch the credits for an Avengers movie and it's just I, thousands of names and you know, screen credits, not everyone gets a screen credit, not all the people that worked on it because there's just not enough room. So it's not really possible for, uh, VFX guy to go back and do that. But I really enjoy when it's like either mostly when it's me and like a small team, it's kind of hard when it's just me. Cause it's hard to yeah. like kind of, it's hard to post-production VFX supervise and be the guy who's doing all the work too. Cause you kind of can't take a step back from it, but I really enjoy oh, when I, I see. have, yeah, I really enjoy when I have like three or four guys that I'm working with and maybe I'm just kind of managing everyone that way. The quality is the same. And also like the style is the same. Cause I think sometimes when you have, um, and we did that for both thinning movies. We had different VFX artists on it and I think it worked out great, but so I've worked on some projects where either the quality level will be so different or the style of effects will be so different that it can be a little jarring if you don't have someone, you know, making sure that it's all kind of like within the same ballpark, you know, like, well, I think, I think that was really, you know, beneficial, like with Michael Gallagher for uh, the thinning. I mean, he's so hands-on that he, he really, you know, jumps right in and works directly with visual effects artists and, um, and gives really, um, I think he gives really good notes that have offer a lot of clarity. No, he's great with notes and, and he's also super responsive. I mean, a lot of times you'll send stuff and you might, it might be a day or they might send it at odd hours. Like, you know, I could hit up Michael anytime and he's just like, do this, this, and this, or that looks great. Or like, let's just adjust this. And, um, it's always for like the betterment of the shot, but it definitely helps having a director that's that hands-on. I would say that's rare. I, th- I think Michael 
is one of the few directors I've worked with who is that like on top of it and making sure that everything is is fitting his vision. Um, and, and he knows how to communicate with the VFX artists, which is a huge, huge bonus. Um, it's it's like, you know, he knows he knows what he's asking for the most part. If he's like, you know, can you adjust this? He knows he's like, okay, that's an extra couple hours of work. Um, and it's not just like, it's not thrown out there like haphazardly like, can you fix that? And it's like, that's another three days of work. Like, how can you ask me to do that when our deadline's tomorrow? <laughs> and I've had that so many times where it's like, I'll work with other people and it's like, this this is not realistic in any any world for this to get changed. Um, I don't know. I've, I, I mean, yeah, Michael's one of the best with, with that sort of a thing, like kind of figuring out what's realistic. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, we got to get the movie done. It's it, it doesn't matter how good the movie is if it's never done. So um, everything's kind of with that mindset. Yeah, and we all kind of understand what the limitations are, but how do we work within those limitations yeah. and timeline? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so is that something that you are focusing on, is kind of elevating to just being a visual effects supervisor, or is there a, like a, is it kind of like a combination of sorts of being an artist and a supervisor? Yeah, I think um, I think it's a little bit of a hybrid of, of that, because you know what I was describing earlier with the previous VFX, like that stuff that like I have my own style with, so I couldn't really hire people underneath me in the timeframes that we usually have to be able to pull off kind of what we need to. Cause like I said, the deadlines are so tight. So that's something where I, I enjoy jumping in. Cause I, especially with the previous VFX, I can try different things and it doesn't need to be the most polished thing ever. And I can learn quickly in those situations. Um, for VFX, for like onset and then post, I, I've been kind of transitioning over the past two or three years into more VFX supervising um, and like a little bit off the computer as much. I don't know. I still enjoy getting in and doing a lot of shots, but it's nice to, it's like, it's a little easier on the carpal tunnel and the hands to not always be button mashing for 16 hours a day. <laughs> um, I hear you. And, uh, and it's, 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 it's like its own, um, it's its own challenge, like managing other people. I mean, it's really difficult. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't need to tell you that that's, that's something that I've learned. Um, in the last year and a half or so, I've been doing a lot more of that where I've been hiring people underneath me for, for projects and, um, just keeping people to deadlines or like the community it's, I feel like I've learned so much how to be like a better communicator towards my bosses by hiring people underneath me and seeing the things like, Oh, I do that. Like this person who, you know, they might, they might wait a couple hours to communicate on something that I need to know, but I know why they're waiting a couple hours because they're still not done with something. And I'd rather them just say, I'm not done with it. But like, I also understand if I were in their position, I'll just finish the shot and send it out rather than, you know, I don't know. It's just like, I, it's given me a great perspective on how to communicate better with the people that hire me just as the artist or even as the supervisor. Um, so I, I think that's made me a lot better and that's not something I really anticipated, but it's been a, it's been a fun, like growing experience, kind of seeing that's, all the, yeah, that's, like, yeah. That seems like such a natural kind of growth for you to sort of build out that team of, uh, of people, you know, underneath, not underneath you, but you know, kind of spreading well, it out a little further. Collaborators. Yeah. And collaborators. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, that's kind of like the idea behind this, like fix it and post company is just having, there's, there's me, the artist, but I kind of want to have a little bit more of a brand. Um, and that's what I've been building towards for the past couple of years is just establishing 
kind of a group of people that I can hire that they, they, I know the quality just, just like, you know, you guys have done with like, it's not just VFX. You have the, the entire team of, of production and post-production and pre-production. Um, I'm just trying to be in, in my little VFX niche and have a group of guys that like, okay, this guy's better at 3d work, or this guy's really good at simulations and particle work, or this guy's just, he's like a workhorse. He can kill it. Um, maybe the skill level isn't as high, but you don't need it to do some of the more like just brutal tasks like rotoscoping frame by frame and um just like finding people that are trustworthy and that um are like kind of good for their word and you know they're gonna they're gonna like see it through i think that's the biggest thing everything else i would take someone who who if they tell me something i can trust what they're saying and they're you know just enjoyable to talk to and be around over someone who's like the best ever and that's something i think i've learned in this industry is people just want to work with people they like, <laughs> you know, skill only takes you so far, but if you're a jerk, no one wants to work with you. Like you gotta be, do you do these projects where you're in the trenches with people and you want someone that you're going to enjoy at the end of the day, not, not so as a, yeah, as a, as a producer, things. that's one of the best things that I've learned is it's really about, uh, you know, attitude and commitment and, uh, com good communication. Because even if you have all the talent in the world, um, you know, if you're a dick or if you're, <laughs> uh, a, a poor collaborator or, you know, um, or just doing it for the money. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it seems pretty obvious. And so when you have that good group of people that you enjoy working with and, and you know, their skill set and, uh, you can work within that. I mean, you can really make some great stuff. Yeah. And, and you establish the shorthand, like you guys have done where you, I mean, I, I'm sure you, how many movies have you guys all done together now? Uh, I want to say like six movies together six. and then wow. probably like 20 shorts and you know, yeah. a ton of stuff. I, I know I've been on the team for the last three or four years, um, but I feel like we've established this shorthand like we've been talking about where we don't, we can save 30 or 40% of like the issues that might come up because we already know, you know what I can do and I know what you guys are looking for. And it's like, okay, cool. Like let's skip all these, you know, Hey, nice to meet you. And, and I can be <laughs> honest and upfront with you guys. I don't have to like watch what I say because I know, I know like what you're looking for. Like, you know, you know how like sometimes you're afraid to offend someone. So you're like, you don't want to tell them like this isn't going to work or like, I was just going to bring that point up that you, you're someone who, you know, says like this won't work or this, you know, uh, is going to be difficult to pull off. And we know that ahead of time. And it's like, that is such an invaluable, you know, part of the process. Yeah. And you know what? Some people can't handle that. And that's so frustrating. They're like, I don't care. Just do it. And, and what are you supposed <laughs> to do with that? Like, you're like, no, I'm telling you, this isn't, this isn't like, oh, I don't want to do this. It's like, literally this won't work, but there are plenty of people out there that I've worked with who will just, they'll just say, uh, I don't care. Just figure it out. And, and, you know, sometimes you can figure it out and that's like a great challenge, but like, that's not a collaborative workflow. That's not something that like you're, you're excited to jump back into on another project because yeah. then you don't know what's coming <laughs> your way. But like with us, we've got this, this like, Hey, this won't work, but this could work. Cause you guys are always open to ideas. And I think that's like, if I can come to you with say, there's a problem, but I can also offer a solution like, Hey, this isn't working, but I thought about this or I tried this. What do you think about this? And usually it's like, sure. Or there might be a note, but it's always like flexible to, to like whatever we're talking about. And and it allows it allows the job to get actually done, which is what we're all trying to do. It's like it doesn't. It, it needs. I to think. I think. I think you just you just nailed it. You just nailed it with like uh, you know. It's so easy to like. I'm not easy, but it's like it's uh, so short sighted to just bring up a problem and say, well, that you know, this isn't going to work. 
period. Like, okay. <laughs> but then, <laughs> which, you know, has, yeah, which has happened a lot of times. And, you know, they're like, sorry, that's not going to work. But then to be able to offer a solution and, 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 and that solution is like a kernel of an idea that can expand upon maybe a bigger right. idea and really, you know, make the product even way bigger than that initial impossible idea was to begin with because maybe it strengthens the characters or it gives the composer something to really work with or the stunt coordinator or something to really expand upon and you know I think uh, I think that's so valuable when someone says no you can't do that but here's some ideas that maybe could be a good workaround that to me is everything you know no yeah it's I think I think that that like is invaluable just but on for both sides to be able to like come to the table and and like come to the you know reach the solution together um, rather than one being obstinate or, but I mean, if both, I, then I don't know what you do. If both are like, I can't do this. And they're like too bad. Then I don't know. Do you just quit the job? <laughs> I don't know what, <laughs> what ends up happening there. Like someone's got a budge, but yeah, uh, yeah. I wish I could like, I, I'm trying to think of stories right now. Cause I know I've had that in the past where I, even with you guys, where it's like, this isn't working, but can we try this? And I'll like sketch up an idea real quick. Um, like I said, I don't have a great story, but I know sometimes we've created some of our best stuff just by doing that. Cause we, it's like the, you know, a lot of times most of the creative juices are happening in production and then it's like, okay, this is what we're doing. But sometimes in post we see these opportunities to like, you know, maybe there's something in the background that wiggles and it's like, oh, what if we had something fly and hit that? You know, it just so happened to wiggle in the background in the shot. But like, what if we, what, you know, there's an explosion here. What if we have something hit that? And then it kind of brings all of the elements together and makes it feel more natural and, and I don't know, you could, if, I think if you're constantly looking for those type of opportunities, you can keep adding to what's already, you know, what's already there. And absolutely working with people that are like open to that is always exciting too. Um, so yeah, man, that's what, what, I, I'm still, you? I'm still blown away by in the thinning one that, you know, uh, closing down the comp the school and, the um, the, uh, the windows, how you were able to block those. I just, you know. Oh man, that was so hard. That was that was uh, that that was that was really difficult. I I uh, I wasn't as like well versed because that was that was in was that 2015 or 16? That was the, yeah two that well 2015. It was released in 2016, but I mean oh, that right. that. I always like when I sing your praises, I say this guy did something so incredible because <laughs> most man. people I... think that's real, you know. And I'm like, my God, it's so good. There, there was a couple shots. And they were really that, big. Yeah, there was there there was. I'm I'm trying to think. We did like we did like 15 or 20 of those shots, or because I think it happened. To, they come up at the end of the movie, right? Like the, the yeah metal yeah because they come yeah. up at the end, yeah. Right, and those those were really tough because that was kind of before I really started delving into 3D work at all, and I was like sort of learning it to like get those doors, but it's always so difficult to try and learn and work on the job at the same time. Like a lot of times you, you learn by working on personal stuff or you do that on your off time because when you're trying to hit a deadline, you don't have time to like, okay, I need to spend a day and a half learning this software or this plugin or just this technique to try and achieve this. But like you want to, because you have these problems in front of you. And so, um, I remember just trying to like learn as quickly as I could to try and make those work. And, uh, there was, I was also trying to learn how to, um, camera track, it, which so um a big thing that that is a big challenge i should say in post-production is tracking camera movements because you have to deal with like lens distortion um, motion blur 
all these things, you have to get the elements that you're adding in post to sit into the, you know, if the camera's moving from left to right, the, the in this case, those metal shutters needed to appropriately move from left to right. And it sounds maybe a little simpler, but it gets really challenging if there's stuff like obscuring what those what the movement is and it just gets really complicated and i was trying to learn how to do that better because there were some challenging shots in there and uh i think there was there was a this this is kind of a funny story pertaining to one of those shots i don't know if you remember it it ended up in the trailer which i always laugh about um there's a shot it's like a 20 second shot where there's a news reporter in front of the van and uh she ends up walking like to go interview someone um I'm trying I wish I wish I could pull it up and show you but it's uh it was so challenging because there I, I was trying to learn like figure out how to camera track this whole 20 20 or 30 second shot add in these windows and then the that we didn't have a green screen there so I had to like rotoscope this woman's hair and rotoscoping hair is miserable because you have all these different strands and different things and uh it was one of the most challenging shots and I spent, I think I was, it was, that was like the last shot I was completing because I was terrified of that shot. And that's like the worst thing to do is to leave the hardest shots till last. But oftentimes you're trying to build up confidence as you go. And you're like, <laughs> I'll tackle the easier ones and kind of get on yeah, a, get, get some, on a get some excitement going early. Yeah. 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 And, tr- and maybe try out the techniques on an easier shot. So yeah. I kind of like, it got into like the last couple days uh, before the deadline. And that was the only one left. And I just started going at it. And I think I was up all night and I started to, I started to like get a little paranoid. Cause I know Michael has, uh, had, well, he still has the YouTube channel. I, I don't think he's super active on it anymore, yeah. but, um, I'd been like grinding for a couple weeks and I was just, I was so tired and I was up all night and I'm working on the shot and I'm like, this shot is ridiculous. This is so crazy. There's so much going on in here. I'm like, maybe Michael's pranking me. Is this like a prank? <laughs> like I just started having all this paranoia, and I'm like, maybe I'm like, maybe I should just stop working on this because this is such a crazy shot. Like maybe I should just hit him up in the morning and be like, ah, oh, you got me, man. Like, and, and, and it sounds ridiculous, but in my sleep deprived state, that's actually those are the thoughts going through my head. Is like, this is this is a prank. This has got to be a prank. Like he's he's recording this somehow. This is he doesn't really need this shot. And find and on I, Twitter in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And so. Uh, and so I ended up kind of completing that shot, but I was not proud of that at all. It was just one of those, it could have taken me another three weeks to rotoscope all our hair well and all this stuff. And I ended up calling Michael in the morning, um, working through the night and, and calling him. And I was like, man, this is, this is rough. I'm like, I just had these paranoid thoughts that this is, this was a prank. This wasn't a prank. Right. And he started laughing. He's like, no, dude, we need this shot. And I'm like, okay. And so, yeah, I was like, son of a bitch. Okay. All right. And so I ended up saying it was finished is a very, very, uh, loose. It was loosely finished, I should say, but it needed to, it just needed to be done for the deadline. And so Michael's like, okay, I think in color, we can kind of like maybe bring down the shadows a little bit to hide some of the, like any of the little, like, you know, issues and we could punch in here and there. And so I was like, okay, man, whatever you can do to help, because this is a rough one. And uh, when the trailer came out a few months later, I was shocked to see that because I was, that was not a good looking shot. That's not one that I would say is, is something that I would like be exposing, you know, sometimes you hope these shots. Yeah. Yeah, You kind of hope that like, 
okay, people only watch this movie once and th that shot lasts for a few seconds and they kind of move on. They won't see all the little errors that you've seen watching it a hundred thousand times. Right. But, um, but that shot was definitely one of those where I was like, okay, hopefully they just, you know, they're watching the reporter. They're not seeing what's going on in the background. And then that shot was in the trailer and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, it's, it's there for the whole world to see. Like it's, it's, it's put on blast. I texted Michael. I was like, dude, how did this end up here? He started laughing. He, he's just like, I don't know, man. They liked it. It worked. He's like, no one's yeah. mentioned once all the little stutters here and there from the camera movement. And I was like, cool. He's I like, think, yep. I think I know what you're talking about from one time you brought it up to me maybe later on. And I didn't even notice it until I think maybe, uh, you mentioned it or something. And I don't even remember the shot, but it was, uh, I mean, that's how, it's funny well, it is, uh, the, the way you see things and the way everyone else does, you know? Oh, yeah, and then that's the thing that, that's why you need a director like Michael or or working with, um, you know, some other people that can kind of give you that perspective because the way we work is we will preview something. Oh, you know, you do, you make two changes and then you watch it over again. Okay, what does it need now? And, you you know, you kind of go back and forth. And so you've seen yeah. this shot so many times and you're watching like 20 frames over and over and over again and you see every little mistake or you know, kind of what you want it to be. It just, yeah, it really, just starts exposing things the more you look yeah, at it. Yeah, and, and and it's somehow getting worse every time you watch it on repeat. And you need you need that outside perspective to help you kind of like realize, okay, the shot is done. Like it's good enough. It's going to be on screen for, you know, a second, 20 frames. It's not that long. Like th this is good enough for the audience. And I think as artists, we're always, we want everything to be perfect. But I mean you're never going to get anything done if that's that's what you're aiming for. It needs to be it needs to hit that that minimum level of quality, of course. You can't just turn out something awful, but uh there's a certain Right, point you don't want it to be taken out of the movie, but yeah, if it's not taken <laughs> yeah. out of the movie, but it's not perfect, it's it, it and it works, then you know, then that is awesome. That's <laughs> yeah, a blessing. You got, like, the, yeah. yeah, the story is told. You're like moving on. Like we got another 20 shots to go. Like stop wasting time on this. And, and, you know, you asked about challenges. I think for me, when I'm not supervising, when it's just me alone with these shots and I don't, other than maybe sending it out to the director, I, I like struggle with that sometimes like, Oh, I need to ch change this or fix this or cause I want it to be the best it can be before it goes out. And yeah, uh, certainly. And maybe I could have saved myself two days of work if I just sent it out and got the thumbs up. But it's uh it's difficult to judge your own work. I think that's like a an ongoing challenge is kind of like how do I take a step back and look at this from an audience you know an audience's standpoint or view. Yeah, I mean, you know, like the way you see a movie and that you've worked on and the way the audience does, it's almost like two different things, you know. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I think it probably yeah. should be that way because you, uh something that I've learned um especially with working with a lot of these stunt guys is the audience never knows what you kind of had planned. Like they right. work on these really cool stunts or the, and they don't, won't end up in the movie or like it won't be shot correctly and how they want, but like it still turns out cool. And people will talk about how it's the coolest thing they've ever seen, but they don't know how much cooler we, it was uh, beforehand. I know. Um, we always talk about that. We like, we're in post and we have to like cut out an entire scene and there's moments in that scene that are just gold. Yeah. And yeah. overall the scene just doesn't move the story forward. You're like, this sucks, <laughs> you know, yeah, which I guess hurts. is why people do, you know, behind the scene featurettes and stuff, but it, it's and directors. Cuts and it's, <laughs> yeah. It's painful. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, they never knew this scene existed. So it, <laughs> yeah. It, it, like, yeah. But that's, that's a, that's, that's hard. I think that's like one of the things everyone says is, you know, yeah. To, uh, to like 
everything's your baby when you're working on it. You don't want to let totally, it go. Like, totally. Say you see a shot that you worked on that's not in the movie, you're just like super bummed. It's like, well, I'd made that shot so to help propel a story forward. And so if it's not in there, that means it, it didn't. And that's okay because like you're still doing your job. But right. You, you just don't want to get attached to stuff. But that's really hard because you almost exactly you exactly. almost have to to make it as good as you can make it. You got to commit like, you know, be passionate about it. But you got to be okay killing the baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So gotta, savage. <laughs> yeah, it is. But that's, that's, that's the how nature goes, of the beast. Man. Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, I thank you so much for spending time today on uh we could talk yeah, forever. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. No, we could. We could go for another five hours. It's funny how quickly I, that went. I know, I know. Yapping away here. Well, you know, I'm excited to uh see more from Fix It and Post and uh and uh obviously scene thirty eight was incredible and so I hope you keep going with more stuff. And Thanks, uh really excited to to get another film going with you so that we can kind of jump back into it again i know it's been a minute we were it doing movies left and left and right there for about a year and a half it was like one after the other rolling in yeah we right you in. know we went on a long run and now i think we're kind of like regrouping and then we're going to go on another long run again soon so stay yeah, tuned. Well, I, I know, <laughs> yeah i was going to say i know there's there's been a lot of like just kind of press for funny story and um, yeah that's been exciting seeing how well that's done yeah yeah because that was and, that was uh, a real passion project i know for everybody yeah, and it, you know it's funny like um, uh, how that was a, a Cineman funded project, and yeah, it was yeah. such an opportunity for us all to like come together as like a f- um, film family and make something great without many outside you know interference. And so that doesn't happen very often. No, and so no. it's really a, a sacred project because of that. And it's cool that it, it, it's, it's sort of been rewarded with like, you know, doing so well at the festivals and kind of premiering in the places that it has. It's it's a little disheartening when things you put that much passion into something and it doesn't turn out. You know, you think it's the best, but then the audience yeah. doesn't receive it. But it's just been cool to see that that it has fu- been received so well. Yeah, it's funny. It's like I, I, I'm uh, not really, you know, for that film, it's like I wasn't really so concerned with the output of it. I just, uh, the making it and the product we made, it's just, you know, I'm so proud of that. And so whatever happens, I guess yeah. happens. But, you know, just, I'm, it's such a great movie. Oh, I agree. I'm, such, I'm, yeah. I'm really proud of that one. It's, it's fun to work on movies that you, uh, you really enjoy because that's, that's a whole other thing where you're sometimes you're just you're on something you're like what am I working on here what is this oh my god totally <laughs> but there's, that's a whole that's probably a whole other podcast you gotta pay the <laughs> bills about that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah oh man like I'm just here to clock in and clock out <laughs> right totally <laughs> oh, well, I really man. appreciate you having me on Michael this is this is a lot of fun oh thank it's you for coming here. on yeah and uh, yes. awesome well this has been another episode of. Tales from the crew, and we'll be back very soon. Thank you. Uh-huh.